Welcome everyone to the Grainmaker Wrestling Podcast, a Prairie Proud Wrestling Podcast covering everything from Winnipeg to worldwide. My name is Blair Pacheco. I hope you're having a good day. Hopefully you're having a good week, you know, whatever day of the week it is, maybe it's the weekend. I don't know, whatever, whenever you're listening to this, hopefully you're just having a good time. Honestly, right now, I think I can speak for everyone where I, when I say I am sick and tired of the snow and the cold bring on spring, bring on summer. I am here for the warmer temperatures and I'm done with winter. I can't believe how much snow I've shoveled this year and how much snow I've cleared. It's absolutely ridiculous, but enough about the weather because we're all in the same boat with it. But today on the Grainmaker Wrestling Podcast, we're jumping right into right into the uh, right into the episode because it's a it's a doozy. Uh, today on the podcast, I was joined by Tony Kazina. Uh, you may be familiar with him. He he's been wrestling for over twenty years. Started out in the Pacific Northwest, wrestled all over the states. I mean, if you name a promotion, a major promotion, he wrestled for them, whether it's ROH, PWG. Uh, he did a match with Impact and countless others. Uh, he's wrestled some of the top wrestlers today or, or been a part of matches with them. I mean, Brian Danielson, Jonathan Gresham, and countless others, uh, Kyle O'Reilly, Davey Richards. You're going to hear more about those two on the, uh, on the podcast, but... Tony was a lot of fun to talk to, lots of great stories, and he talked about the uh, Lions Roar New Japan show up on New Japan World, which focuses on the New Zealand dojo, and so he got into a lot about that, and you know, it was just a really fun chat, really great talking to him, so without further ado on the Grainmaker Wrestling Podcast, Tony Kazina. When I was first, uh, you know, browsing online looking uh, I wanted to reach out to you and uh, I came across your Facebook profile and I don't think I've ever been more intimidated by a picture so I had originally planned to uh, message you earlier and then you, I kind of got a little scared off and then I said you know what screw it and I sent you a message I'm very thankful that you're able to join me today oh yeah no pleasure's all mine I'm just uh making my coffee here getting ready for the day out here in uh, Auckland South Auckland <laughs> Now, intimidating. What could be intimidating? You have a very, you've got a very mean looking profile picture. I think it would scare off many people. Well, uh, I don't know. I'm not a handsome man, I can tell you that. (laughs) You got your start in the late 90s. And I mean, without. A shadow of a doubt, I think uh, most people would say that was an incredibly popular time for wrestling. Uh, what was it like when you first were getting into it? You know, it was, it was I'm going to use the term, it was new. It was new because there was really no independent wrestling. I was just listening to Jim Cornette this morning talking about uh, Fresh Confest. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was listening to Cornette talk about shows in the late 90s uh, in New Jersey where he was doing them and uh, and he was right in that there was no independent wrestling promotions Mm -hmm. Uh, by the the mid mid 90s 
probably going off on a tangent here, but what I just want to do. By the mid-90s, there was a handful in the New Jersey in the Northeast area. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the late 90s, and with the advent of the internet, because the only reason I knew that there was a couple of, you know, PIWA promotion or whatever the hell it was, is because on the back pages of Pro Wrestling Illustrated, they, they gave the rundown of what happened on the shows. Mm-hmm. So, long story short, it was all new. I was getting the internet and you're learning how does this work? You press pro wrestling and then enter and all this stuff comes up. Wow. I didn't know there was promotions in British Columbia. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that there was a promotion, a new promotion in California because we only knew WWE and, you know, WCW, all that type of thing. So um, it was exciting. And, um, you know, everything hit at once. All mm-hmm. these new, you know, uh, there were no independent wrestlers. They, they, the independent wrestlers were the guys that were in the blackball or couldn't get a job. They were no good. Mm-hmm. You see, what? Uh, you know, it's Jim Cornette said once the territories finally died and all that simmered down, and then a, a, a bit of a lag time, then whoever wanted to just started their promotion and called it wrestling. And they may have had a, a, a one or two guys that were around the territories that could run it. And that's how I started with Matt Moore and Billy Jack Haynes that were, you know, that were around. So I was fortunate that I learned the old, the old way because my first, the first promotion that I worked for, um, was Sandy Bars Championship Wrestling USA in Vancouver, Washington. He, Sandy Barr, was a longtime referee for Don Owen. Okay. And that was the old Portland, the Pacific Northwest uh, National Wrestling Alliance, Pacific Northwest there. That was on TV for decades. So Sandy knew the old way of this work. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and everybody on his roster, except for like maybe four guys, World Territory Wrestlers. So we were learning the right way and what, you know, Mm-hmm. I, I think that is something that definitely gets lost nowadays with uh, how many, you know, independent promotions of our local promotions that you, you always just assume that they've been around, but it, back in the late nineties, that wasn't the case. No, no. And what you had in a lot of instances, you had uh, someone that board or whoever the, whoever the guy is that was in the business and he found a, a money guy. He found an investor that would help start the promotion. Mm-hmm. And they knew, you know, uh, Len Denton was another guy, the grappler in Portland, has a lot of knowledge, was around a lot of territories. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they knew who to contact to get radio ads, TV ads, and not just get ads where you're paying money. You can get stuff done for free or his favors, or they knew somebody. Mm-hmm. Or they were recognized, you see. So it's not just a guy off the street. Um, that's how it. That's how it was for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What was it that pushed you in that direction to get involved in wrestling? It's always what I wanted to do. Yeah. Uh, by the time I was a little kid, you know, uh, my family, my dad's side of the family, and my mom's in big wrestling. That was my. I don't know. Well, my dad's long gone, but uh, 
passed away years ago, but I don't think he left when I was seven, but all I remember of him is Saturday Night Wrestling. That was our mm-hmm. thing. You know, I snuggled up to him and watched pro wrestling, uh, Portland wrestling. And the time or two that we all went down to the sports arena, we didn't go watch live very often, but that was my thing with him. And, you know, I'd see him on the weekends when I was a teenager. And that's what we do, just watch wrestling, all mm-hmm. the different shows that would come on. That's always what I wanted to do. Either yeah. that or play drums and kiss. So <laughs> yeah. at least at least you got one of the two out of it. I got one of the two. Yes. <laughs> so you decide you're going to become a wrestler. I mean, you were trained by Matt Bourne, uh, Jack Haynes, big influences in your career. Initially, do you remember your thoughts when you stepped foot in the ring for the first time? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, you know, because, um, you know, the internet's just starting. And, and uh, you know what? I don't even know because it was July 96 when I started with Billy. I don't even know if the internet... My girlfriend at the time, they, they, her family had it, mm-hmm. the internet. Oh, it was a new range. It was a new thing. But I think I started training before the internet was around. So, you know, all I knew is, I don't know how much of this is real. Clearly, it's not a straight fight. Or you get a smack in the mouth and your jaw be broken or your teeth or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, I, 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 you know, regardless of what it is, the chance I'm going to get my ass worked because I'm little. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I have to see if I can do this and I'm going to grind it out and e- either I'm going to, they're going to cart me off in a wheelchair or I'm going to at least just get the first match because I had this fire in me that wouldn't go away. You know, mm-hmm. I went, when I was 17 years old, this is a mid or early 1988, 1988. I went down to the sports arena and man, you know, like so many of us, I'm insecure. I'm, I'm a little guy. I don't have a lot of self-esteem, self-confidence, but I knew what I wanted. And I went with a buddy of mine, you know, we're as quick as we could be. We lifted weights all the time and rolled right on up to, to Don Owen's son, Barry, Barry Owen. And I said, I walked right up to him during the intermission. Sir, we graduated in general. We would like to be professional wrestlers is there a way we can train and you know he gave us a very respectable and kind uh blow off you know he's like you boys lifting weights now you're wrestling now you look real good yes sir you know and i i wrestled yes sir i'm wrestling right now and i said well he said what i'll need you to do is, is go to college you guys plan on going to college in the fall i hope i need you to go to college and wrestle through college and at that point you can get licensed through the nwa and, and once you're licensed through the nwa we can take a look at you and i just it sounded legit to me even though and my friend didn't know and, and he just kind of looked at us and said you guys enjoy the show and you know he had this newspaper rolled up in his hand you guys enjoy the show and i thought fuck billy jack was a boxer and he was in jail he didn't go to college and that's all <laughs> i that's the first thing that popped in my mind was trying to find a way because it sounded it sounded really good you know hmm. and, uh, it was protected. They weren't going to let me in there. Yeah. And, uh, and that was 1988. So we got to fast forward to 96 before I, and I, I had, I'd called the different wrestling schools through the years, mm-hmm. but shit, man, I had never been away from home, never spent any money. You know, I'm just, I don't have a lot of confidence and, uh, you know, there were guys that would train me. I called ECW. This was in, Oh gosh, I don't know when. 
and they said, yeah, you know, we can, we can get you training here. You know, Taz is in charge of that. And I'm like, oh, okay. And, uh, I was like, you got to move to Philadelphia. I'm looking at the map going, holy shit, I've barely been outside of Portland. What am yeah. I going to do? That's scary to me. And, you know, my family's scared of their own shadows. So it's like, oh, uh, and, you know, hey, you know, we put you on the ring crew to help get you some money and get paid a little bit every night doing the ring crew to get you going. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, okay. You know, it's just too, that's too much. I'm, I'm not ready for it. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, I just, the, the fire never went away. Mm-hmm. Uh, for a while, I thought I was too small. And then it was, it's like, you know, I gotta do it. And I guess at that time, I mean, in the, you know, from the 80s to 90s, there was always an emphasis on the big, you know, brute wrestlers. You know, it was always a big size thing too. So to be someone a little bit smaller going in, you, I think it always kind of plays with you to think like, can you do this, you know? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I studied it so much, the matches, and and just watched again and again, again and again. I think all the pay-per-views, watched them again and again. I re-watched how feuds would erupt and look at their yeah I didn't even realize I wasn't studying it like I'm a smart fan I just would be like I, you know I, I, I let myself get captured in it mm-hmm. man how could he not tell that how could he not tell that he was going to turn on him like that shit <laughs> you know because it, to, to me if you're, if you're not trying to get caught up in it what the hell are you watching for mm-hmm. Well, I think nowadays, to an extent, there's almost a problem where you have a lot of people who watch it just to complain about it. But if you're watching it, you should be watching because you love it, because you enjoy it. Yeah. You know what? I've heard that said. I don't understand that kind of thing at all. I mean, that's like, uh, well, I spend, uh, once a day, I put my finger in the electric socket because it, it hurts like hell when I get an electric shot. Why would you do something that annoys me? Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't get that at all. I, I want to get caught up and I want to start because I, I just put myself in the frame of mind when I'm watching it like I'm 15 again and, and I'll do, well, especially with the students here, I'll do running commentary and if I can call a match and it makes logical sense, if I can put the things together where I can make a logical sense out of it, then I can get into it. But if you're, if the, if the, if the guy takes a a hard spill to the floor and, and his, his back is hurting and he's selling his back and the guy gets him back in the ring and uh, starts working his arm you're an idiot mm-hmm. doesn't make any you know what I'm saying yeah oh definitely the, I mean it, it has to be a reason for it you know it's not or just the, the guy, yeah the guy you know, takes a hard spill to the floor a hard bump or whatever and his knees buckled and then now, oh, whoops, it's my time to take over. And all of a sudden, you know, the guy goes to give him a belly to back suplex and he backflips out of it and lands perfectly on both legs like his knee was ever a problem mm-hmm. and a standing crook and rod or whatever. Get the fuck out of here. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. There, there's, there's an art to it that sometimes gets lost with some. So, you know, you want to be able to invest fully into it for it to make sense and to be able to really enjoy what you're watching. Yeah, and yeah, so it's a, it's interesting in that uh, the whole, I don't know why people are watching mm-hmm. if it's not making sense, other than you just 
you want to see some moves and maybe someone will get hurt, but I don't want anybody to get hurt. No. You know I mean, there's no, it's a, it's a, it's today. It's a very odd thing. Like I'll, I'll use this as an example. I mean, for many years, I mean, every Monday night, you know, I would sit and I, I, my parents, you know, sort of the same thing as yours, you know, I grew up with them watching wrestling, you know? So as it went on Monday nights, it would always be like, Oh, let's put on raw. And so then you're watching, it's like, I'm not enjoying this. So why am I going to sit through it? So you're turning it off 15 minutes in what, what's the point, you know, I'd rather find something I like and be able to immerse myself in that. Yeah, I think I think uh, a lot of people, even the people that watch it, they, what if they they're not watching it to complain so much as they're watching it, hoping that something great happens. Mm-hmm. But you know, ultimately, whoever watches it, they're going to be asked about, did you see so and so do this and that? And it's like, yeah, this is terrible, for, mm-hmm. you know. So, uh, yeah, Jesus. It's just a. I lost my train of thought. That's all right. It's just a. It's a. It's a goofy. It's a goofy thing. Mm-hmm. Anymore. Well, for yourself in your career, I mean, you start off in the late 90s and, you know, getting going into the early 2000s, you were seeing a lot more smaller promotions kicking up, starting up. And I mean, you traveled throughout your career, I mean, all through Canada. I mean, I was looking earlier and I think you banged off about 30 states, maybe even more, no problem. So you really wrestled all throughout North America, just taking everything in. I thought, you know, I was told early on, listen, kid, you know, you just got to get, you know, you're getting this down. You just need the right eyes to see it. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, that makes sense to me, but where are those eyes? Mm-hmm. Well, they could be here, they could be there. I thought, well, you kind of, my goal then is to be everywhere at once. Um, also, too, early on, when we, I did my first six day tour in British Columbia and I think it may have been the first day we went to Lillooet, which is just three and a half hours northeast of Vancouver, took to the mountains. And I'll never forget this as long as I live. I, we got there early, Lillooet. I had my road atlas map, and uh, I'm looking at it, and I was just sitting there on the sidewalk, looking at this town, sipping on my Diet Pepsi, just uh, the, the travel bug just nailed me right there. I'm like, look at all these people. They probably... I didn't even realize I'm from Portland. I, I just had that. I was, a, you know, so I got the travel bug and the wrestling bug, and I just wanted to roll. Mm-hmm. And that just, as soon as I would get done with one wrestling trip, it's like, okay, where can I go to next? And where I haven't been. Uh, so. I mean, it was, it's really, I mean, they always say, you're, you've always got to keep learning and growing and pushing yourself. And you took that to the full extent. I mean, you fully immersed yourself in the traveling aspect of wrestling and just taking everything that you could in. And I think that's incredible, especially in the early two thousands where, I mean, nowadays you look at it and it's a lot easier to know like, okay, there's this year, this year, this year, you can do more of it. But back then it's a whole new world. You had the internet, but not as developed as now. No, nowhere near you know, uh, I think when I started, I, I had more connections than a lot of 
guys and they took me to Canada and put me in touch with Michelle Starr the mm-hmm. there. And, and, uh, and then with Starr, we would go to LA because that's where he's from originally, Los Angeles, uh, and work for the Lucha promotions down there. We went to Tijuana. So this is within a couple of years of me wrestling. I'm down there with, you know, trying to talk to the, the you know, the Mexican promoters. And then also, uh, Ray Mysterio Sr., this is, I'm wrestling just one year. They were already, I didn't, obviously I didn't know because I was young and wrestling. I was pulled aside as an old-timer wrestler in the 60s and 70s, and he ran a gym in Portland. Um, he pulled me aside and they go, uh, you know, they want to use you. They're going to do Lucha Libre in Mexico, but they're going to come up here. And, you know, it's just all, to me, it feels like it's hitting all at once. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay. You know, I'm just saying yes to everything because I, I guess this is how it happens. I just I just wanted my first match, but I just was also, once I had my first match, I want another. And then mm-hmm. I want to I wrestle again. Can I wrestle here? And while looking up at the, the freaking travel bug uh, (laughs) so then i'm wrestling with guys from mexico and they're not speaking english so you know you're having to do stuff ad lib and read the body and just react which you know the way i was trained to react Mm -hmm. the game of reaction you didn't need to talk i could sense it you know um that was always something that I know I was curious about. Like when you have, you know, people from, uh, you know, different languages, different cultures, how exactly is it, you know, the wrestlers knowing what to do, where to be. And just, you know, that makes sense. You know, it's all reaction. Pro wrestling. People say, you know, there's, I mean, there's a million arguments. They say, oh, it's, a, it's a show. It's like friends or it's a TV show. It's like, Pro wrestling is an ad lib. It was always supposed to be an ad lib. Mm-hmm. Pro wrestling is not like friends. Pro wrestling is more like whose line is it anyway? You're going to do mm-hmm. something or say something, I'm going to react on it. We both may know where we're going to end up, where the story is going, but we're ad libbing. Mm-hmm. We're ad libbing our way to get there. Mm-hmm. And that's why they didn't do all the crazy moves uh, back in, you know, decades ago. Yeah. Uh, number one, because it looks completely contrived. But number two, uh, it doesn't look spontaneous. Mm-hmm. And also one of the things that I learned, actually I learned from Dennis Condry, is, uh, and I heard, you know, you've got to figure out what the people are buying. you got to figure out what the people want. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he was kind enough to just, sit down with me and take some time because well you know you start wrestling if they're if they're buying what you're selling there don't change it as soon as he said that i thought wow i know where i went wrong in that one match that i had in lawrence kansas <laughs> and, and, and i'll never forget that I was like, man they're they're eating this up and you know boy when we change it and start flying they're really gonna come unglued and they died and we never got them back and mm-hmm. i was like you can understand. He goes, whatever you're doing, and they're fighting on it. Don't change. You'll lose them. And I thought, mm-hmm. shit. He goes, but if you're wrestling around and you're grabbing a hold, you're working an arm or whatever, and they're not, they're not biting on it. They're not reacting to it. You might want to knee him in the gut, toss him outside, slam his head into the 
ring apron, start brawling a little bit and, and listen and see if they're responding to that. Mm-hmm. If they're responding to that, then you stay with the brawling match. If they're not responding to that, you maybe throw them in, you know, start start doing some drop kicks or head scissors, flying head scissors or whatever the hell, you know, mm-hmm. high flying moves, see if they bite on that. Because, well, sometimes they just, they're not going to be in anything, in which case you just, uh, you know, do your match. Yeah. And, and take it home in a reasonable amount of time because they're just not into it or whatever's happening. But if, it's a game of reaction. Yeah. And I mean, if you find that one thing where they bite, you're laughing. You're set for that. I mean, it might be different the next town over, but if, to wow that crowd that you're in front of there, that's what you're going for. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So when you start doing eight by number, we're going to do this, then we're going to do this, then we're going to do this, you're not, you're not engaging the crowd at all. Mm-hmm. So, you've had an incredibly storied career so far. I mean, who were the people that you feel impacted you most along the way? Ooh, along the way, not just like someone I looked up to and started. Goodness sakes, along. Well, I'll tell you what, man. I came up with a, a guy here. I'm sitting in Auckland, New Zealand, and and, and uh, you know, uh, my 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 brother in wrestling. You know, my first brother in wrestling was a, a guy named Adam Dykes. He was living in it. He wrestled with Adam Firestorm. Wrestled with LN Torch and Torch and Adam Firestorm. He took his mask off. He was like my brother. Uh, mm-hmm. um, and uh, he was from Auckland. So all these years later, and he passed away, unfortunately, in 2009. Mm-hmm. But all these years later, here I'm sitting in his hometown. Six. Um, he, he and I were always together when I started. And, uh, and then... Uh, you know, he kind of got out of wrestling a bit, and, and I stopped going to Canada. I started going different places, and, and uh, I think that the person that, that that influenced me and impacted me the most is David Richards. Mm-hmm. He's got to be Dave. And, you know, I met him. He was uh, looking to get trained, and Michelle Stark contacted me and said, listen, because uh, I was doing a school in, little school in Portland at the time, and he goes, listen, I'm going to send you this kid. Uh, this kid came up here. And uh, he lives in Washington State. He goes, I'm going to send him to, do, to you. He's legit. He's got a fighting background. He goes, you'll know what to do with him. I'm like, okay. And uh, so that was it, man. You know, April of 2004, I met and, and uh, helped get him going. And, and he was so into fitness and training like an athlete that he, in turn, uh, started designing our workouts. And I never trained like that. And then as we learn more, and especially he learned more as a personal trainer and then just so driven to learn more. Hey, we're going to start training this way. Hey, we're going to start incorporating this. And so, you know, then, then we're fudging around with our diets and really just dialing it in. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and, uh, and, you know, we had Kyle who came down in, in 2009, we were in St. Louis and, uh, and following a couple of years later, was sent from New Japan, mm-hmm. uh, and and those guys, I think, uh, yeah, like Davey, even Kyle, because we just trained together. The three of us were together always, as we're, as, you know, Kyle came and 
St. Louis to trade with us. And uh, we were all just kind of pushing and learning and listening off of each other mm-hmm. in, in all different ways, personal matters. I mean, you know, baby's 12 years younger. I've never learned so much from someone. I didn't have a dad in a lot of ways. I guess there's a piece of me that, in some ways, it almost sounds embarrassing to say, but I don't think shit. It's like, I learned how to be a man by hanging around baby Richards. I don't mean raw, 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 but just, you know, you can speak up and speak with confidence. If there's Mm -hmm. something you want, you know, if someone shortchanged you or whatever, you go, hey, 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 you know, Whereas I would always be quiet, and then once I got so angry, I just exploded. Mm-hmm. He's like, "No, bro, you, you don't need to do that. You just go up there, hey, sir, hey, oh, this is crap. You got to get make this right." So we're always learning off each other, and um, it influenced and, and, and what was the uh, the, the word that you uh, impact uh, impact and folly. You know, uh, New Japan said folly when he was a young lion to live with us in St. Louis and train for a year mm-hmm. because the the, uh, the elders of Japan couldn't get over how hard and consistent Dave was training on his off days or during the shows or whatever in Japan. And, uh, you know, he messaged me on Facebook, hey, they, they want to send a young lion over. I'm like, that's awesome. And he's like, yeah, I want you to train him because maybe we can put and plus, Davey was busy doing his thing and he's doing Ring of Honor, so he's flying out. I was like, got it. I, I like doing that stuff anyway. So, mm-hmm. so uh, you know, just learning. Um, and especially to this day, especially being here, learning the culture, different cultures of the world with Wale. And, and then just uh, to this day, he and I learning from each other again, trying to figure out how to become better communicators, mm-hmm. which in turn makes you a better instructor, a better trainer. And in some ways, being here now at the New Zealand uh, New Japan Dojo, we're life coaches in a lot of ways. You're impacting their lives more than just with wrestling. I mean, you're creating the environment for to help them grow not just you know wrestling related but as people psychologically all that sort of stuff i said to follow it's not going to be much longer before people start coming here and doing a three-month intake just as like a retreat you know people are going to go through a bankruptcy a divorce a death something catastrophic in there you know what i mean like there's places like that it's like a retreat refocus reset your mind Reset your life, get your self-confidence back on track. It's not going to be long before, and we may have already had our first guy that did that. He's in the doctor series. Mm-hmm. He, he just, you know, he loves wrestling, but he's like, I don't want to be a wrestler. This is so, this is like a, a retreat to get my head on straight because mm-hmm. he suffered from depression and all that. You know, you're going to come here, you have daily discipline, you, you, you need to be punctual, you need to do cleaning, you have daily responsibilities. Mm-hmm. Accompanied with conditioning that's far and above anything that you think you can do, but you know what? Everybody does it, mm-hmm. and and when, when you do something that you don't think you can do, but you complete it, that's a sense that's empowered. Mm-hmm. It doesn't it doesn't matter if it's a push up or building a house or repairing a car. You know what I mean? Oh, I can't do that. Bullshit. Yes, you can. 
Mm-hmm. Watch. No, definitely. It's and I'm gonna stand, I'm gonna stand right here this whole way through, and I'm gonna keep encouraging you, and I might scream at you, but I'm gonna keep going, keep going, keep going, and the next thing you know, you're done. It, it's that it's, sense of accomplishment, almost. You know, like whether it's that one push-up, you know, building a house, anything like that. You get through that, yeah. and you leave feeling, I did it, and that's incredibly important. I did it, and when the next thing happens in my life that I want to accomplish, I don't need to look at it. Oh, I can't do that because I, man, that was me forever. Ooh, college degree, yeah, man, all of those real smart people. Why these people didn't land out of a UFO and just get A's in college? Anybody can do it. Shit, mm-hmm. maybe Richards was no special student, yet I watched him buckle down. And he, I, I went from helping him with his mathematics because he's like, I have no good math. I go, I'll be a teacher, man, no problem. We'll get you through it. Shit, he, he's passed classes in math far beyond what I've done now. Mm-hmm. He became it because he believed. He, he already had that drive where a lot of us don't when you can get that type of empowerment here. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've mentioned Davey, and I, like, I know that you're trained him. I know that you guys have had quite a string of matches together. And I think that really says something about the friendship that you two developed over the years and just how much it's grown. Yeah, I mean, listen, we've done all sorts of silly matches to about as stiff and solid. We, uh, they called it a pancreas-style pancreas fight in Ring of Honor yeah. on HDNet, where, where we like we basically did the the jujitsu and kickboxing classes without the pads on and said you know all right brother uh, let's take care of each other but we're laying it in yep mm-hmm. uh, let's show these guys and you know, we were just like you know like he, he knocked the sweet hell out of me but midway through i almost choked him out and i was going for it i figured he could find his way out of it which he did but it's like let's make this old style it's like okay i, I may die but this will be good <laughs> so, I mean, and now I'll tell you, I might as well plug him. You know, he's, he's revamped to what we were doing and just updated it in St. Louis uh, at Team Ambitions. He's got a, you know, business license. He's got his own uh, dojo studio. Well, I don't know if it's a studio. It's a building, though. Mm-hmm. They got a ring. They got mats. He's got other trainers there. So they're teaching the guys well-rounded. It's probably... You know, not a far cry from what we're doing here, except we are following the New Japan protocol there. Yeah. I mean, I know Davey had taken a few years off from wrestling pretty much just to kind of reset almost. And, but the past, I mean, once COVID hit and then, you know, it's almost like that was a resurgence for him because he's had some fantastic matches in PWG. He's been back in MLW and he's really stepping it up back again. And it's incredible to see. Yeah, you know, I was kind of almost surprised because, you know, he, he took the time off because he pulled his knee out. He's always had a little bit of knee problems. And uh, so he had his knee completely rebuilt. And that was a longer heel, but it was it was, a, it was a new kind of thing, like cadaver parts. So it was a real knee, not a, not a metal. You know, you, if you put a, I don't know how this stuff goes, you can this stuff. Mm-hmm. But if you put a, a metal reconstruct i don't think that you can just start dropping knees and you, you just gotta walk and you know what i mean you can't be athletic and, and, and play sports yeah he didn't want that 
so he had uh, he had a new type of cutting edge surgery where they they found the cadaver parts that would match and his body makes sense. Mm-hmm. And so he goes, I'll have an actual new human being. So that means I can do it again. I'm like, dude, that would be insane. Mm-hmm. But he wasn't doing the wrestling because he was in, in school, you know, getting his bachelor's degree. And I figured, you know, he, he's probably moved on and, and I had moved away and come here. So, but yeah, man, he, he, he's back in it with burning passion. Mm-hmm. And, it- uh, it's great to see, like, just seeing him back in the ring. I, I, for one, I'm very happy about it. I've always been a fan of his work with the American Wolves, and now to see him back putting on these fantastic matches, it just it brings a smile to your face almost. Man, I tell you, I, I'm watching it. You know, he, he, he's like, dude, you come back. I've got all these bookings. Like, would you hit the road again? Like, the board. I'm like, well, well, COVID, I can't. And he's like, probably get back here. I'm like, oh. <laughs> he hit the road like man we the road there's nothing like being on the road we laugh at it we do our prank calls and all this craziness shit <laughs> i mean i was like when i had reached out to you you know i was reading up more about you and doing some digging and i mean for anyone who's not super familiar with your career if you were to look at almost you know the majority of the wrestlers who are performing now you know some of the bigger stars you have shared the ring with them you, you've been in the ring with you know brian danielson you've shared the ring with the young bucks i mean the list goes on and on i mean do you ever just sit back and you see that and just almost like yeah i remember when and think of those times yeah i mean yeah i, I, I like memories and, and all that is, you know mm-hmm. yeah um you know, I never worked with the Young Bucks, but I was on a lot of shows with them in Southern California mm-hmm. when they were when they were first coming up. And I remember talking to them, just going, "Guys, keep doing what you're doing." You know, because they're they they had that. I don't know what they call it. Is it more bang for your buck? Where one does the moonsault and the other follows up with a 450 splash on yeah. the top? Maybe that's that old thing. So I was like, "Damn, your timing on that's just killer. That's all you need." And, you know. It, they're, they've changed their thing to do a little more, or, or a lot more, you know, ha-ha and bullshit than I care for. But mm-hmm. listen, they're they're getting what they want out of it. So, well, I'd be know. I'd be amiss um, if I I didn't mention even Jonathan Gresham, who you shared the ring with only a few years back, you know, and he's man. up there too. I'll tell you, yeah, he. I don't know if there's a, a more inspiring guy. Uh, he he might even be smaller than me. Mm-hmm. I first wrestled him in 2011, and I may have met him earlier than that, but I thought he was a lot bigger. And then it was like, I, I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> and he was so good. That was 2011. He was so good and just a down-to-earth gentleman. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, I felt like we just kind of hit it off just as, individuals mm-hmm. uh, that one time and gosh uh i may have run into him, into him a time or two and then we were on a tour in canada together in 2018 or 2017 got to wrestle a time or two and man now he had developed all his game and, mm-hmm. and we we had a 
I don't think it was like wrestling once or twice, but it's that that's that one match where it's like, you know what? Son of a bitch, I need a whole series with it because the more we wrestle, the better these are gonna get. Mm-hmm. Which is all which is always the case. It's like, <laughs> but uh to see him going on to capture the Ring of Honor championship and just the way that he carries himself like a true professional man. He really is a, a, a professional. Mm-hmm. I, that word's thrown around. And this guy's a pro, that guy's a pro. He is the profession. Mm-hmm. And uh, man, if ever I get a chance to get an to Japan office, I'll be knocking on his door saying, you need to get on the damn roster of Japan. You mentioned going across Canada. You were a part of a few of the CWE tours. Were there there any of those that stood out to you? All of them. I just loved it. Uh, Man, I got, you know, Danny Danny Warren. I just got to thank him so much for, I had this idea for years and I would laugh at by some guys, some promoters. And I thought, Okay, well, whatever, but maybe they didn't have the vision. Some mm-hmm. people just want to run their own. But I, I, I had heard Davey's like, this guy runs tours of Canada. I need to get on there. But, you know, I, I wasn't on the internet all day scouring to find all these different promotions. I just would kind of jump on here and there, talk to the people that I talked to, got my bookings, and then I would worry about the rest. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I got a hold of Danny. I said, hey, I see you have a tour in September. I'd like to be on it. It's already full. I said, please keep my name in case someone fails. Even at the last minute, I can make it. Yeah. Two weeks later, which is still plenty of time, because, hey, I had a cancellation. I'm on. I said, check this out. I had this idea that it's like, well, what if we uh, did like a training tour? I, I'll train the guys at all, all, every day. I'll work with in-ring, out-of-the-ring, learning psychology, the full immersion. Mm-hmm. I said, I said, uh, charge them. This way, when your tour starts, you have a pot of money to work with. So if you don't draw in one of your towns, no problem. We're not, we're not destitute. But we're not bankrupt. Mm-hmm. And, he, and he was like, that's interesting. What do you want out of it? I said, I want these tours to grow. Mm-hmm. And I want to be on all of them. That's what I want. I want to. I want to turn these into. Uh, I want. Why is there no full time territory across Canada? Mm-hmm. There, nobody goes up there except a couple times a year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where is the big maple leaf in the world of wrestling? There's such a history and such a respect to this day, and the, and the perception of stampede wrestling, right? Dynamite Kid, hard, hard hitting. Why, why is there nothing like that? So I started working with them and I said, you know, if, if there's some stuff I could do online to help you, try to get sponsors, try to get hotels, try to line things up, whatever, let me help. Mm-hmm. And we went, the, the, the first tour I did in September of 2016 was uh, 10 days. And those guys did a 31 day tour. I was already here and did, uh, so I missed it. Damn it. <laughs> In 31 days, they stretched all the way across from Vancouver to uh, Ottawa. Mm-hmm. 
what we were. I mean, we, we'd start in Winnipeg, we'd go all the way west. I only went as far as Golden. No, we did Vernon. And um, and all the way back to Sault Ste. Marie. And man, it's, there's no other place I'd rather be. Even when I was first starting out, I said, and we're doing big tours of British Columbia. And I thought, if this is as far as my wrestling career goes, is, is working Canada and touring like this, then it's all I need. Mm-hmm. And when I started working at CWE and we start expanding again, this is all I need because I can't do the politics and I'm not good with the corporate wrestling having some guy that's in a business suit tell me what I'm going to do. I'm just, I'm too goddamn stubborn. <laughs> well, you I know, think, I think I know. It's funny because you're not the first person to talk about, you know, having like a Canadian territory promotion, you know, that does the traveling and such. Uh, it's, it, it's almost like it, there's more people with that thought too. So it just needs to almost get the ball rolling. And with what CWE does with these tours, I think it's fantastic. You're going to smaller towns, might not get that. You're learning, the wrestlers are learning more on the road, growing, building those bonds. Oh, it's an actual working territory because you're having to figure out you can't do dives out of the ring every night. You can, but if you crash and burn on night three, you've got 17 days left. Guess what, Holmes? Even if I take it easy on you and your and your your knee is tweaked, your back is tweaked, uh, it's gonna fucking hurt. Mm-hmm. So it's it's I don't know. I just love everything about it. I love the deadlines. I just put me in the ring trucks. I'll make sure the ring gets there. And then it's like, you know, there's always a problem. You gotta, you gotta just be a constant problem solver. I love having the pressure on me like that. So. Well, it almost goes back to when you mentioned uh, the training and having that sense of accomplishment, you know, getting in the ring truck, ring truck, making sure it's there on time, you know, Got yeah. it, getting it set up, all of that, you know, it just almost helps yeah. continue to build you as a person. It's that, yeah. I mean, it's, it, it, uh, it is, but you're also just creating something bigger for, for more people and just trying to set a, create that professional environment, mm-hmm. you know. Um, yeah, I just, I do, I miss it so much. I can't, you know. And right now, there's so many restrictions. Like I said, we're just talking to the uh, promoter, Nick, from uh, Thrasher's in British Columbia, and, and they can't run there because they're under restrictions. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, if you could take these different promoters in the areas, Danny with CWP, Nick, and they all get along. Uh, you know, I think the guys are running Can-Am again. Like Johnny Devine is uh, is uh, got a dojo in Calgary that I'm sure mm-hmm. is top notch, you know, absolutely. Um, you're working with these guys, uh, and and everybody work together as a team to create the whole thing, to create the the, the, the on the full time territory. It could be done because that's how the the territories. If if you look at, say, Don Owens territory, the old territory from, you know, when it started in the 40s and went to 1992. Uh, you say it's Don Owens wrestling, but Don Owens was the, the sole owner of the whole thing. There was uh, 
Don Owens had like some towns, but Dutch Savage ran some towns in Washington. Tony Bourne ran uh, a couple of towns. Sandy Barr ran Salem. Don Owens' brother ran Eugene. You had a handful of different promoters that ran their town, but they all ran under the umbrella of this is Pacific Northwest, mm-hmm. and this is our NWA Pacific Northwest champion. You didn't have, you know, Jim Joey Shabadoo's championship wrestling here and then 50 miles away, Ding Dong McGee's <laughs> wrestling party championship 50 miles down the road. You just had one champion that, every, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If you did that, you could, because wrestling is all perception. Mm-hmm. The nope. whole thing is perception. It, it reminds me of the, you know, the early, the, the NWA days where you had that one world champion who would go to the different Yes. Towns. Yes. Just on a, a you smaller have, scale. Bro, you could have uh, champions in each province. Mm-hmm. And then a Canadian, a hierarchy like the NWA, which when the, when the independent wrestling was starting, I thought the NWA concept was going to be brilliant, and I thought this is going to be a good way to build independent stars, and which is why I was so happy that uh, when the ECCW up there in the Shell Stars group joined the NWA, I just thought, and, and then I ended up winning the Northwest Junior Heavyweight title. Well, I won that a few times, and I thought, well, the day's going to come where I'm going to not have this belt and and then what i mean mm-hmm. i you know I, I i there was a lot of things i didn't get with the wrestling thing um but i said well can i challenge for the canadian belt and what what doing that did was it got me to winnipeg mm-hmm. say what you will about wrestling being a work and the belts don't mean anything i built my name on those NWA titles everybody knew who i was so mm-hmm. it did mean something no definitely challenging for the Canadian belt after I held the Northwest title a handful of times. And and, and in those days, in 1999, uh, the other promoter, David, what's his last name? Texera? Texera? I'm probably pronouncing that incorrectly. He was a computer guy, so he had the ability to put a video on his computer and send it where a lot of people didn't. So here I am with the Northwest title, shoot the promo saying, I want on the NWA Northwest, I'm going to come to Winnipeg and win that. Canadian junior title. Mm-hmm. So whatever the politics go, I went to Winnipeg and won the Canadian belt in 99, but I immediately went to Dave and said, Dave, I, I, I want to challenge for the end of the world title, and can we do another video? I'll hold, hold both belts over my shoulders and I'll call them out. Mm-hmm. And so we did that, and you know, it eventually led to, I, I won that a time late. But I thought, what a great hierarchy system if you had you had the Texas champion in this, just like the old days where the United States title was the number one contender for the yep. world title. Yeah, you it's always all part of a bigger story. Yeah, you always remembered and, uh, like Ultimate Warrior being the Intercontinental Champion, him being the next contender to Hogan's World Championship. You know it. That's right. Mm-hmm. When is that going to happen? And it was oftentimes a heel. That was uh, was the uh, Intercontinental Champion, but when Warrior had it, he thought, "Well, oh, man, he's got to 
And then when, when they come together, it's like, oh, shit, something's got to give. Mm-hmm. The, the, the interesting thing today is that uh, the focus isn't on, well, that match was terrible. Look at how shitty this match was. It was a fucking tremendous match. The people are looking at it, or some people anyway, you can't just blanket state and say everybody, but because they didn't do a whole lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it was this, it was that. It's just like, it was, it was, it was iconic. Mm-hmm. If you go back and scrutinize the matches now, it's like it doesn't count. The only, the only thing that matters is the live, the, the, when you're there to live through the build, I guess. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, think of for yourself, what's the, what's the hottest feud and the thing that you look so forward to seeing as a kid growing up or recently or whatever? Oh, man, that's a must-watch match. Did it matter what happened in the match? You just want to see what the hell the outcome is going to be. Yeah, you want to see the culmination, everything come to the come culmination. to end. And that has nothing to do with who's going to the top rope or how many moves it's going to have. It's, uh, I saw someone uh, talk about it earlier. Um, you know, it's the storyline. Like, I'll use this as an example. Throughout, I mean, with AEW, the past few years, you've had Hangman Page on the doorstep of the world title, but you've seen the failures along the way. You see those failures, it makes you want to see him win it even more. So when he does win that title, even if it's not, you know, the best match, like I, I love the match, but it could not be the best match. But you see him win the title, you see the culmination, the build to it. That's what makes the moment. That's what makes the match is the build. Mm-hmm. It's you know yeah. So and I haven't seen much. I think the thirty seconds I seen of it, he was acting drunk, walking with the beer, and I thought, all right, next. Mm-hmm. What the fuck? Um. But that's it. That's it. Mm-hmm. It's uh, what is one of the, the the things one of the older fellas told me. It's not the it's not the big match that sells. It's the big hype. It's not mm-hmm. or, or it's not the great match that sells. It's the great hype. Yeah, it's there's a lot of truth to that. I mean, uh, the build along the way is what gets the people invested. Gets you know people spending their money towards it, and they want to see. They want to see how it plays out. Yeah, so. that's it. And, and hey, you know what? If you can have the big hype and the killer match, Flair Steamboat, then, man, beautiful. But mm-hmm. if you have a, a big hype and a hot crowd, but it's a match where it, it, it is what it is, did the crowd dig it? Did they pop on the finish? doesn't need to be, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, uh, like... I'll, I'll say this one as an example. I mean, because his time had, you know, it was towards the tail end of his career, but Hulk Hogan and The Rock at WrestleMania. Because oh. the way the crowd was for that, the the match hadn't even started and you just see how electric it was in there. I think that's a perfect example of it. I use that as a teaching tool um, for why the training here, you, you're, you're, you're developing your instinct in the ring. Everything's on the fly. Mm-hmm. If you had, we're going to go A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and 
okay? Because they're going to like you and they're not going to like me. And I walk out, they start cheering me and they're shitting on you. The hell are you going to do? And, uh, you know, I'm sure you've heard them talk about it, hope and talk about it, just as you've heard, or maybe you haven't, I don't know, anybody out there, Steve Austin, Brent Hart talking about, they're calling audibles in their match. Why are they doing that? Because they're improv the fucking match. It's a game of reaction. Mm-hmm. If you're if you already have it all mapped out what you're gonna do, you're gonna and you don't have any instincts to just improvise, that's what you got. That's mm-hmm. what you're gonna get. And you know, it ends up looking completely stupid, completely phony if it doesn't just fall apart mm-hmm. altogether. Um and that's why. Those guys were in the positions they were. Mm-hmm. Come on, you've. Uh, I want to get into your the training down in New Zealand. Uh, how did this all come about? Well, sir, um, hmm. I was minding my own business. Uh, <laughs> yeah, actually, I was. I was actually. I, I'll tell you this. I thought that I was going to be done with wrestling because uh, uh, a great friend of mine is a principal and she said, why aren't you doing substitute teaching? And she they, she got me in and I was on track. I was going back to university to finish my degree and be a teacher. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I thought, well, this, and, and so, and, they, and meanwhile, Davey's doing his study. So we're studying our ass off together and still training. But other than doing the Canadian tours, I was bothering wrestling. Um, anyway, so I'm in my, uh, how it comes about is I'm minding my own business on the Canadian tour, and my, my phone buzzes, and uh, it's early on, and, and it's uh, Fale, and he had messaged me earlier, like he messaged me in February, hey, you want to come to New Zealand with your brother and do a, be a trainer for three months? Oh, mm-hmm. I'd love to. I said, I can't right now. I've got this job and I'm in university and spend all this freaking money for these classes. He says, well, I'll hit you up later. Maybe October or something. I go, let me know because I, you know, I've got the travel bug. Come on. I don't know what's down there. Yeah. Um, so I'm, it's, it's May and I'm on tour in Canada. School's, the school job is done for the summer. He said, my phone rings early, early in the tour. Hey, you want to come to uh, New Zealand in June for three months? June, July, August, and back in September. My job was still there. Hell yeah, I do. I said, listen, I'm on tour right now. When do you want me over? He says, early June. I said, well, my tour gets over, this, that, and the other. So I had to cut a couple of days off the tour. I didn't get to go to uh, Toronto and Ottawa. I, I went back after Thunder Bay and three days repack wash and bam i'm over here mm-hmm. uh and 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 so that's how it started and i was here for i think after a month Foley and then general manager mark dewey who's the co-owner of the village here as well they took me to lunch and said we'd like you to be the you do it the way it should be done uh we want you to be the permanent trainer here mm-hmm. and uh i said let's roll come on i said i just need to go back home and sort some stuff out. So yeah, I just started uh, 
Now I'm just waiting for my work visa to get accepted. So, what sort of a culture shock was it when you're, you know, I mean, you had done traveling outside of North America, but you're uplifting, uprooting your entire life and heading down to New Zealand. But, you know, I've moved all around. I never had any roots planted anywhere. Okay. Um, I, you know, I was married for a time uh, at the, uh, you know, 2000, 2001, that ended again in 2005. And so I was kind of moving all around. After, after 2007, I was kind of moving around a wee bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, you know, and I love the travel and I love the new experiences. And, you know, I, I moved from Portland to Charlotte and it's all new places, but I already know people because of wrestling. So mm-hmm. it's like, I'm not a stranger in a strange land. It's, Hey, Hey, Tony, it's, you know, oh, oh, pleased to meet you. Wow. You know, I can show you around and take you out or go mm-hmm. hang out or whatever. So. I'm up for the next adventure in life. And I realize that, like, I've got the wanderlust. I can't, I don't think I'm built to just stay one place. Mm-hmm. So culture, culture shock-wise, I'll tell you, this is, it's a funny thing. I didn't realize that New Zealand was one of the Polynesian islands. Because all the people, my friend Adam was a European white mm-hmm. guy, white guy. He's a European ancestry, right? Uh, if you look at, you know, it's funny, the Bushwhackers or Pat O'Connor or one other New Zealand, right? They're all of European descent. So yeah. I thought it's just a bunch of white people down here. And when I get off the airplane and I'm walking through the... <laughs> I'm walking through the airport, they've got this wonderful little thing set up. It's a Polynesian welcome and a song this whole thing and the wall decorated and I thought oh that's real nice the Polynesians did that for us here and uh, come to find out you know Polynesian Islands like oh well uh, so culture shock not really mm-hmm. driving on the wrong side of the road was different <laughs> I almost got uh, dude I'm not kidding within two weeks I almost got hit by the car three times and the and the last time had I not looked back, I would have stepped out in the street and got just splattered into pizza toppings. And I thought, Jesus, I keep automatically looking, mm-hmm. right? The way that we would for the traffic in the States. Mm-hmm. And they're coming from here, right in front of me. And I said, Fuck it, you know, I'm going to cross with the crosswalk like I'm eight years old from here on out. <laughs> I'm scared to hell. Other than that, I mean, it's, it's laid back like Canada. Mm-hmm. but even but even more so and now, um well yeah. you, you had mentioned you know training earlier on in your career with you know davy and kyle to name a few now you're set up down there the new japan dojo now do you feel any difference in what you're presenting you know training these uh, the younger athletes or is it the same sort of mindset I have the same mindset, and I think from what Folly tells me, the way that I look at things is the way that more akin to the way that they do it at the, at the dojo in Japan. Mm-hmm. And just as far as, or at least when he was there, as far as wrestling should be a fight, mm-hmm. you're training to fight. Um, it should be logical. 
I never changed anything about how I, I, I've refined the okay. way I approach it, which has made it better. And there's Japanese culture that you learn here too. That's going to be important because it's going to be expected to Japan. Mm-hmm. If you want to earn the respect. So, uh, the people that come here, there's greetings, there's counting, there's phrases, the Japanese prayer, for lack of a better description, that we do at the end of the training. You learn to speak all that in Japanese. Mm-hmm. Okay. Other than that, uh, you're also, we're, we're, we're settled here in Otavuvu, South Auckland, which is the Polynesian area of Auckland. So you're immersed in, you know, follies of Tongan descent and general manager Mark Tui is of Samoan descent mm-hmm. and I'd never heard of the Maori people until I got here. The Maori people are the native people in New Zealand. Okay. So you are exposed to all of that. So if you come here want to train to be a wrestler, you're gonna learn cultures of the world as well as professional wrestling, as well as just your life's gonna change once you leave here. And like you said earlier, it's true. It's beyond wrestling. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the current crop you have there training now, is it predominantly uh, from New Zealand or do you have people coming from elsewhere to move down there? Uh, well, at the moment we're in between. Valentine's Day starts the new okay. intake. But yes, yes. This next intake will be I think we have five new guys coming, all of which are from New Zealand because okay. of the mm-hmm. um, They were open for a bit, so we had some Australian boys come over. But geez Louise, the borders have been closed to the rest of the world. From You can't get into New Zealand for the mm-hmm. last since COVID really broke out. So, but it really, it, it really hasn't hampered us as much as we thought, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Although 2020 was supposed to be our breakout year because uh, uh, right when everything was locked down, the, the New Japan made the announcement that we are officially New Japan, New Zealand, and we were going to have a tryout with all the bosses coming over and like uh, a couple of Okada, maybe a couple of top guys. I, I don't know exactly who. They were going to come over for a three-day tryout here at the dojo in May of 2020. Well, as soon as they announced it, then all hell breaks loose and they pulled it. They deleted the announcement. What do we do now? And they're just like, hold tight, you guys, you know, keep mm-hmm. doing what you're doing, but we'll wait until this is over for the announcement. Because we were going to start with the tours of Australia again and we're Japan show in Auckland, so mm-hmm. or at least that's the rule. You know, <laughs> there's there's plans. I, I'm, not, I'm not privy to all the. I know that there's talks of, you know, maybe they want to expand, but just you know, you don't, you don't they, have the Tony Martin, Tony Don yeah. money. We can just say we're going to run this, and you know, <laughs> got to carefully plan that out. Well, I mean, I think. As fans, we hear a lot about the New Japan LA Dojo um, that has been very prominent. But now with the uh, the Lions Roar show, show coming up on New Japan World, it's really going to put the New Zealand Dojo on display. 
yeah, and that was the, uh, you know, that's the, obviously the idea because mm-hmm. goodness, we're just hidden down here in the southern hemisphere, hey, <laughs> far and away from everybody. Um, and so, yeah, it's just, and, and you know, they want content for New Japan World. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, they had a, an amazing, I love a uh, five part series of the LA Dojo, what, three, four years ago? And uh, some people were like, oh, they didn't show this and that. I didn't care. I, I loved it. I just wanted to, you know, you want to take a look behind the scenes-ish. Or you take a look, okay, what goes on there? What do they do? How do they live? What, how do they communicate? Or, or, or how do they train? Mm-hmm. What's their facility look like? And I think that that's what the people are going to dig, you know, as well as when these guys are fucking heads because you've got 13 guys living in a house together and you know, not, not, not everybody always doesn't get along. Mm-hmm. What, so, was, what was your overall experience with it? Because I'm sure that, you know, you're seeing the cameras around, you know, was there any issues with the, you know, it affected dude, how you I'll run I'll tell things? you something. Shit. Like, we're just talking here for the first time, but I'm a, I'm an eight-year-old, okay? And I'm making fart sounds and and act like a jackass all the time to get these guys to laugh because it's so stressful. You're out of your, you know what I mean? It can be mm-hmm. real stressful and real. You're under pressure. So when we're done doing these crazy conditioning and wrestling and all the drills, I'm lighthearted and being silly and being ridiculous. I was afraid that every time the camera was around, I tried to show off and I didn't want to do that. I just wanted to be me. But I went so far the other way oh, I, that every time the goddamn camera was there, I'd stand up and swim like a bump on a log. <laughs> so, so not only am I not myself, you're, you're seeing a version of me, but it's just the real serious. And I'm like, well, shit. But that's okay. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I, they, they didn't shoot it to showcase me. I'm not looking at you know, Hollywood stars. So, but I just had to, I had to laugh. You know, it didn't. Uh, I think some of the guys showed off a bit, mm-hmm. but you know, it's funny and it opened my eyes to a few things. Um, you know, you can have personality in this business, but if you don't have the goods to bring it the ring, the people go, Oh, that guy's great, that guy's great, but would you pay money to see him? Mm-hmm. So I, I, I just I, I I saw all twelve episodes already, and when they were editing it, they you know add this or don't do that. Or, oh, you really want to show me screaming and cussing at these guys? Oh Christ! Okay, well, all right. So, but you know, there's having a personality, developing a personality, and then there's having the goods in the ring. Mm-hmm. And I'm still trying to formulate my thought on that whole. It's a way of just kind of looking at how the business has changed or whatever. This guy's got great personality. Yeah, he's got two left feet. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, in one of the things, it's almost funny. I don't know if they did it accidentally or whatever. You got one of these guys having up the camera. They're doing all the, he got the palsy or whatever the hell with his hands and all the thing. And then, the, hey, you know, look at me. I'm Mr. Ryan 5.0. And the next one, he's getting stretched and mm-hmm. tapped out and choked out to the Jesus in the ring. It's like, yeah, because the guy's all show and no go. Yeah. But the people are like, oh, 
oh, this guy's got this, this guy sucks. Mm-hmm. You, see, you see what I mean? Yeah, you, you can have all the personality in the world, but you got to be able to back it up when the time comes. And I, and I wonder, it just made me wonder, when I talk about the rest throughout this whole play, I'm talking about the rest thing. I'm not talking about New Japan so much as that. I'm talking about the whole wrestling world. Yeah. There, what's my personality? Who cares? Are you a good wrestler? Can you, you know, are you, are you injuring somebody? You know what the hell you're doing? Can you fight a logical match? Mm-hmm. I think I wonder if we're putting so much personality on who's going to be the cutest, the apple dumpling, or the fucking, you know, it's... are you going to be the devil guy or the zombie guy or the biker guy or the jailbird? Guy? There, you know, David, I always laugh. You got like five personalities in wrestling: the devil guy, the convict guy, the former guy. <laughs> The fucking biker guy. Ah, oh, Jesus Christmas. Just go out there and kick some ass and, you know, why don't you go out there and just be a regular guy but be an underdog and take an ass whipping and just make a fucking fiery comeback mm-hmm. and see if they fight on that. I think that aligns perfectly with some of the stuff that, you know, New Japan does where they have the uh, the young lions and they, they build up the skill set. And then after they've graduated you see more of the personality and more of the character come through after that. But, you know, to me, and this is just me, look, the best professional wrestling in the world are those New Japan Young Lions. The best wrestling in the world, and it blows away everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, with intensity, with, you know, logic, if for no other reason that they're not allowed to do a whole bunch of shit and you're going to, you know, they're top fight, 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 show that spirit, show that spirit. That's what's drilled into their heads. Mm-hmm. So they're going out there teeing off on each other and just fighting to the death. And isn't that what you want to see, whether you're watching mixed martial arts or a boxing match or whatever is just the fighting spirit. Mm-hmm. That's a lot different than, and taking a power ball off the top rope and kicking out a two. Well, you just tell me that that's bullshit because you're really taking a fucking big bump off your back from eight feet. You're you're wasting a tremendous opportunity to do mm-hmm. some storytelling and to have the guy be carried out a stretcher and oh my god, his career could be over. And but he valiantly makes a comeback after six weeks and he wants a rematch. All that stuff is pissed away with these great big moves or because they want the there there's a time and place for some of that stuff and sometimes the most impactful things in a match can just seeing two wrestlers go out and just going at it so um but uh yeah i mean i just i i think that and i don't care if it's new japan or, or anywhere else i think that the personality thing Man, if it's you, then that's your natural thing. Then that's one thing. But when you're coming out here and it's a little too much, or it's just here, give them something to come back to the ring with. Mm-hmm. Now you're going to be the cowboy guy, or you're going to be, and I'm not saying that because uh, Adam, <laughs> I'm just, you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Whatever you're going to be. Oh, he, he, uh, 
it's a lot of times it's just forced. It's phony, and the people are laughing. And I don't mean the people that are watching. The, the, the crowds that are there is fine, and uh, and 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 that's fine. But if you're trying to present a national product that you need all over, you're going to have to expand your mm-hmm. your vision. You see what I'm saying? You have to I'm be just able to. You have to be able to build the new fans and uh, attract people who didn't grow up with it. It's the only way to fully succeed. I mean, you don't need to. Wrestling has always been a niche product, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, From the territories or, you know, a lot of the wrestling fans are always considered outcasts. You can look at the, you can look at uh, YouTube video of Roddy Piper going off on Portland on a, on one of the uh, Portland talk shows because one of the some news broadcaster was was uh, kicking down at the pro wrestling fans, calling them toothless or whatever. And Piper Piper got on I don't know what it was two at four whatever the you know the, the afternoon talk show and buried this guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, or I'm sorry, maybe it wasn't the talk show. I think he did it on Portland Wrestling and just shot on this guy for for talking down to pro wrestling fans and and thinking that you know it's always been a niche product Mm -hmm. um but if you're but if you're presenting a product that that you want or you need to go national or worldwide you have to go beyond just like you're saying your fan base which you know man ring of honor was having these killer matches 2005 I mm-hmm. was there from what 2009 to 2012 a little bit, but you're not going to capture the, the a wider audience with that style mm-hmm. Be- because if you would have, they would have done it. Yeah, I I mean I love being like I didn't fully get into the mid 2000s Ring of Honor. I now. I've been watching more and more and just seeing some of the stuff I missed out on. It just, it blows my mind because there were some incredible shows back then. So, all right. So, so, you know, it's, it's, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like, just, you see what, I mean, I know that I just, I feel like I missed out. So now that I, I can go back and see like, Oh, I can watch, you know, Brian Danielson and Kenta fight. And I'm like, this is completely my jam. Two guys going out there, just beating the crap out of each other. That's what I want to see. And man, you know, some of the time those guys were, were really getting banged up hard. Mm-hmm. You know, freaking uh, Danielson had his, what was his, his retina knocked loopy from Morishima. You know, and his, eye, his eyeball was all messed up. I mean, these guys were, uh, I mean, uh, you know, it, it, they were going. It's like how how I was taught and how I trained the guys. Treat it like a fight. Go at it. Go at it a hundred percent intensity, like you would. Go at each other, and then ease off the gas pedal just a wee bit, mm-hmm. so that you're not just destroying each other yeah but you know when you're when you're and and i don't see that in the in the wrestling world today mm-hmm. i don't see that i see guys uh 
gingerly jogging at each other for the clothesline or off the ropes. And they're just at a nice, eat leisurely stroll. There's no mm-hmm. dynamite kid. There's no, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. What got Davey Richards over his intensity when he, when he charged you at the turnbuckle, he came at you in a full fucking sprint. Mm-hmm. And if you couldn't take it, well, he's going to take care of you as best he can. But yeah, he's going to smash into you in the corner if you can't take it. Yeah. Sorry, brother. Fuck out of here. Yeah, this it, isn't for everybody. It lines up with what you said, you know, the 100% intensity, but just letting up right before. So just ease up and try to take care of each other. But, mm-hmm. you know, the it's uh, no, not that whole mindset erased because the people from the people in charge and now the, the, the performers is, is what they're called now. They're not even called wrestlers. Mm-hmm. Fuck. Uh, they, they, they treat it more like an act then and it looks at that it looks that way too in yeah. a lot of cases but again that's why uh i'm so happy to be here because mm-hmm. it's not i uh, mean with what you guys are doing down down there and what new japan's doing as a whole i think is fantastic and i mean i'm very excited to be able to watch the show as soon as i get a chance to but uh yeah it's uh i mean i got you i think that it's uh, I just saw that it's a few hours away before it airs. I think so. (laughs) So, I mean, I'm just excited. We've had a lot of guys come over here through our system that, uh, you know, Yuto uh, Nakashima, is that his last name? I just called him Yuto all the time. You know, he was a kid and he was a mixed martial arts fighter in Japan. And for whatever reason, New Japan wouldn't let him into their dojo. And so, somehow he contacted Bali or they put him in touch with Bali. This kid left Japan, came to New Zealand here for like six months, trained here, then went back. Then they accepted him into the dojo. They just didn't put him into the shows. Then he went through the system over there in Tokyo. Mm -hmm. Now he's a young lion. And and, uh, you get an idea of, of... what we're trying to create and my, my fingerprints on these guys and how you need to look at this like it's a fight um, so you know as time progresses and more guys get in we have a student that's in, in Germany that uh, of course he's, he's there because the damn border restrictions and COVID mm-hmm. and all that but he went through the system in Japan and I know that they were very high on him and they wanted to get him going and then of course lockdown so we're just waiting on that mm-hmm. geez louise um i got I have one more for you and then we'll, we'll wrap it up so you can enjoy your <laughs> uh, your saturday uh i, I just want to touch well, on that because you when you see some a wrestler come through the training facility there and be able to move on and you know like he now he got accepted to be a young lion there must be a sense of pride seeing what you guys are doing there and how you're reaching and you know uh all these students and athletes are learning from what you guys are doing and making the most of their opportunities yeah i mean it's great to see you know 
a lot of guys come through here that have so much potential, but they don't realize the sacrifice that you have to make mm-hmm. to, to make it. They don't because you're, you're doing indies or they see that, uh, that uh, so-and-so is, is just getting blown. I mean, it's similar to, to my situation. I didn't realize that I needed to get up and move. I mm-hmm. just saw as I was coming up and said, that, well, Chris Daniels is getting flown and he lives in Los Angeles. Okay, I guess I just wait and keep talking to these people and they'll start flying me. Well, mm-hmm. it was a whole different, I didn't know how it worked. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of these kids don't know how it worked. And it's like, you got to sacrifice everything. It's like, I think they are expecting, first of all, to come here and write a bunch of moves and do a bunch of patty cake. And they see that the, the moves are irrelevant. That's drilled into your head straight away. And you're not doing Corey Brown bullshit. If you, when the time comes to get into the ring, I'm going to say, go wrestle a match mm-hmm. and, and feel your way through it. And, and uh, you know, it, that takes a little bit of time, but, you know, I've seen some kids, uh, we had a guy, Tim Hayden here, for example, one of several, but he was an indie guy or is an indie guy in, in, in Australia. And it took a bit for him to get that out of his head. Mm-hmm. And once he started realizing it, man, he developed an instinct and he could go just as good as anybody. Just give me a match. Mm-hmm. Go figure out your own finish. Give me an underdog and you should be able to feel who's more aggressive and let them be the heel. And mm-hmm. so if, you know, your body language and what you're doing, you learn all that. So, uh, but I don't know that they all understand that you're not going to get this in three months. Three months is just, it's a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. It's and, it, and the lifestyle starts here. Mm-hmm. It's almost the, the start so, of a journey that it's going to take them a long way. It just depends on how much they want to embrace it. That's it. I don't, you know, and so, you know, I need to find a better way to communicate that. I think the guys think I'll do three months, then go home, sit on my ass, and then I'm going to get called. Okay, I did some work. Give me a cookie. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, bro, you got you to you go home, wash your clothes, and get back here mm-hmm. and keep training so that your rights are sharp. Mm-hmm. Because we have, a, we have a camera right above the ring that the office can watch. It's always recorded, so they don't have to watch in real time. They can watch it whenever they feel like it. See mm-hmm. the guys training. So a lot of the time, they already have their eyes on guys. Mm-hmm. They they have their eye on who they want. Hey, who's this person? We're going to bring him to the dojo here. But um, it's a it's a lifestyle. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it you know, we've had guys that are signed a deal. I, I do. I do. I love it. Their hard work pays off. You can see it when they're told mm-hmm. that, that they're going to go to the dojo or that they're getting the, you know, the office is looking at them. Uh, I love it, I, you know, because because uh, there's no better feeling than accomplishing something that you've wanted for a while. I was just Whether saying, it's your first match or I, I was mean, I was thinking accomplish right there before you said it you know it's the the accomplishment bro if you love this 
professional wrestling like I do. It doesn't matter if you're headlining WrestleMania or getting, you know, my first tryout with WWE. Like, those are cherished memories mm-hmm. to me. You know, some people, mm-hmm. uh, okay, well, yeah, that's sweet. But, you know, I, 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 I've forgotten a lot of things, I think, you know, little trips and whatnot. But it's always nice when someone reminds me, oh, my God, that was so much fun. But, man, every accomplishment. Mm-hmm. Everything. No one can take that away from here and there. It's just um, a lot of times the camaraderie in the back, the support you get. You know, when I did it back 2015 or whatever, great back. You hear all this shit online for years. TNA, the guys there, don't believe anything. Mm-hmm. You, you, you need to find out for yourself. I go back there, shit, it couldn't have been a more positive, uplifting mm-hmm. back room in my few experiences there. You know what I mean? Yep, definitely. Um, but, but if you love it, man, it ain't for everybody, but it is one hell of an adventure. And, uh, you know, it ain't about the money, it's about the life adventure. Holy cow. Tony, where can people find you, social media and all that, if you have anything you want to plug? Holy cow. Well, followingdojo.com or followingdojo on Facebook or what is it, you know, like uh, Twitter and Instagram. It's the at followingdojo or at TT Cuisina and number one on Instagram and Facebook just under my name what is the TikTok and Tony Cozina? <laughs> uh, you know. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I just have a I don't have a huge presence online. I don't really worry about. It. I just do my little uh, do my little thing and concentrate on our uh, on what we're what we're building here. Mm-hmm. And uh, NewJapanWorld.com. That's where you're going to start seeing our lions roar. So you're going to for everybody. Just tune in, or you don't even know what we've been talking about with our docu series. We had cameras following us for three months, watching these guys train, break down, freak out, watching me yell, scream, and cuss at guys. I warned, don't take a shortcut. Goddamn, there's always somebody who wants to take a shortcut, so I can't <laughs> be nice. They got to have me on camera, scream and yell like a some kind of ape man. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, you, you, you're going to see what it's like being here, training on the beach, training on the mountains in town here in Auckland, being a part of the big ass, world famous Folly Dojo barbecues, getting some of the Polynesian culture, or going to the night market, or roasting a full pig on the spit, which is something we don't do in the States. Uh, but man, if I ever had to go back there, I'd post a whole damn thing on a spit because it's it's awesome. <laughs> Tony, uh, thank you so much for joining me. I truly appreciate it, and I had a great time talking to you. Thank you so much. Yeah, man. Anytime. I love it. Thank you. Thank you, everybody out there. I appreciate you all. <laughs> thank you so much to Tony for joining me on the Grain Maker Wrestling Podcast. If you hadn't haven't yet, hit him up on social media. 
definitely check out uh, Lion's Roar up on the New Japan World. See what the New Zealand Dojo is all about and just get a get a feel from it if you uh if you haven't already just by hearing Tony talk about it. So it's uh it's nice to see the them getting some shine for everything they're doing. I think New Zealand kind of gets forgotten about with uh how strong the LA Dojo is and then of course with everything over in uh New Japan. So nonetheless, thank you to him and thank you for checking out the podcast. I've said every time and I'll always say it, I truly appreciate it. You taking your time time out of your day to listen to a wrestling podcast so thank you so much if it's your first time listening uh up on twitter at greenmaker pod uh facebook greenmaker wrestling podcast email greenmaker podcast at gmail.com questions comments concerns maybe there's a guest you'd like to see send send an email my way and i'll do my best to uh to get that you know sorted out and uh, maybe you know a guest that you want to hear so um apple podcast spotify podcast all all the podcast platforms if there's a podcast one that you like that it's not up on let me know and i will do my best to get it up on there and if you could rate and review i would really appreciate it so i think that's all the socials all all that fun stuff and uh yeah you know what thanks again for checking out the podcast we'll talk soon